Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. Hello and hi. Hi. And welcome. Oh my God. It's How been a million years. Literally. It's, yes. I mean, geez, the seven days has felt like 40 years. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. How are you? Also good. Yeah, my head's been hot trash the last really week. Yeah. I'm it's sorry. been like hot trash. Um but it's not hot trash today. I well, I mean, right now it's not hot trash. It was earlier, but um Evan's boss also gets really terrible migraines. Mm. And she anecdotally was like, Yeah, you know, I drink a Coke every time I get a migraine and it seems to help. And so I had a Coke today and it did seem to help a bit, but now I'm super jittery because I don't really drink Coke and it's yeah. basically like an IV of sugar. Yeah. So that's cool. That does sound cool. I'm so jealous of this it's whole really good. ordeal. Mm-hmm. I also, um, when we were, Evan and I were like, we went out to tea today cause we're fancy bitches and cutest oldest thing I've ever I, heard. I know we do it every day at three o'clock. It's fine. Shut up. You do. It's, yeah. Every day. <laughs> oh my God. You're ancient. I <laughs> love it. I know. I know. Um, but we were walking out and I was telling Evan about how the Coke seemed to have helped. And I kind of loudly was like, yeah, you know, it might just be placebo Coke, but we'll see. And like yes. this guy was walking out, just kind of like gave me this look. And I wanted to be like Coca-Cola, first of all. Second of all, like, who knows, man. People seem to do a lot of Coke in the 80s and like they were fine. Man, people do a lot of Coke in Chicago. It's really? crazy. Wow. It freaks me out. I've never seen anyone do it, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But people are so casual about talking about it. <laughs> oh my god. That's so funny. That is cocaine. Cocaine. Why are you so chill chatting about your cocaine usage? Don't tell so me about funny. that. I don't want to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm burdened wow. with Like, what do they do? Do they, like, just go grocery shopping high on cocaine? Like, what do they do on I, cocaine? Everything, apparently. Like, what do – I don't even understand – God, I'm going to sound like – the most ancient old lady on this episode, apparently. I mean, talking about tea and not in, understanding let's cocaine. Dive in deep. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Either. I don't either. I also have zero desire to not be in control of myself. Something doesn't. Well, I mean, like with like most drugs, I assume. Mm, mm. I. Which I was talking to a guy that I used to work with who does all sorts of drugs. He's a very nice guy, but he does all sorts of drugs. Well, yeah, restaurant. Right. right. And I was talking to him, and he was like, yeah, you know, have you ever done started listing things? And I was like, I'm going to save you time. No. <laughs> Just And he was like, oh, really? And I was like, nope. And he was like, huh. I guess I just, like, I really like to spend my money figuring out how I can make my body feel. And I was like, what? I was like, I hear that. Right. And <laughs> I appreciate that for you. Mm-hmm. And I want no part of it. 
Enjoy your fish concert, buddy. Oh, my God. Do you know that I 100% could not name a single fish song to you? It's because there isn't songs. It's just one fish song. They just they just start, and then they eventually stop, and that's the concert. That can't be true. It has to be. And I don't know enough about the fish to prove you wrong on that, so, you know, I'll believe you. Yeah. You've been to Lollapalooza. I imagine that's what goes on there, yeah? Well, you know, I bartended Lollapalooza. Big difference. <laughs> no, it's all the same. <laughs> Lollapalooza is filled with children on drugs that are trying to convince me that they're over 21 because they're holding an empty Bud Light can. Oh, my God. Did I not tell you about that? No. This kid literally came up, and he was like, hey, can I get another Bud Light? And I was like, yeah, can I, uh, can I see your ID? He's like, oh, you don't, you don't need it because I already, I already have one. And I was like, actually, no, I still need your ID. Um, which, being generous, he might have been fifteen. He looked twelve. Oh. Um, oh, and he's like, he was like, no, but you don't, you don't need because, like, see, I already, I already had one. So you were don't... you like, were you like, no, the way that I know that you're a literal child is that you're ordering a Bud Light. Yeah, seriously. That's, that's it, yeah, we, we kept getting people that were like, so that guy was, was talking to Callie, and she was like, hey, you know, you could have picked that out of the trash can, and he kind of looked around like, oh, and then walked away. Um, I had a dude whose over 21, quote unquote, bracelet was so loose that it was wrapped like around another bracelet and then tucked into something. And I was like, hey, can I see your ID? And he was like, I have the I have the over 21 bracelet. And I was like, yeah, that looks real tampered with. Um, <laughs> so do you have an ID? And he was like, oh, uh, no. And I was like, yeah, I didn't think so. Would you like a Topo Chico? What is that? Soda water. Cute. Yeah. People are dumb. Youth. Anyway. Youths, man. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Meanwhile, I have an entire cupboard full of different kinds of tea. I do, too. Oh my god! Oh my god! Actually, sitting next to my uh, the you know this that box of wine from two weeks ago, still yeah. got it. Look and, at you! Uh, sitting next to it is a nice glass of a uh, black sun tea. Wow! Because I apparently like to mix caffeine and wine, like um, a lunatic. Is wine your divorcee drink of today? It is. Mine is it- a. Lining Kugel Summer Shandy. Oh my, look at you. <laughs> Stepping up from the Peebers. Listen, uh, that's because the Peebers were leftover Peebers from when we were camping, and that was like a solid month ago now. Sure. And the Lining Kugels, Evan got a couple days ago, I think mostly for him, and I think that I've drank most of the ones that are gone now. Sure. Uh, they're just so good and refreshing, and it makes me feel like it's still a little bit summer, even though it is solidly fall. Oh, I would kill for solidly fall. It was 90 oh, degrees today. That's trash. Yes. Yes, it's, it is. Yeah, it's pretty great fall. We had, like, a bunch of rain the last couple of days, which hasn't happened because the planet is dying. And yeah. So that was nice. Is Alaska still on fire? You know, I'm I I think yes, but I think less so. I got a text today that the municipal burn ban is lifted. Oh so wow! Anchorage isn't on fire, which is great. 
Um, I think that the Swan Lake fire, the one on Kenai, is lessened or at least a bit more contained than it's been. But I A, don't have a lot of backing for that, and B, when this episode airs, who knows? That's true. My dad was sending me a bunch of pictures of where he is out by Sterling, Mm -hmm. and it made me so sad. Yeah, man. It's so sad. Sterling Cooper Landing area got thrashed. Yeah. Hummeled. Um, (sighs) Don't mind that. Yeah, no. Carry on. Beer. Um, You're doing great. Also, sweet, beautiful husband is doing cleaning upstairs while I do this because Mm -hmm. he's a responsible person. And um, so if, if you hear ambient vacuum noises... It's one it's of the dope. two people that live in this house being an adult and cleaning. Okay. So, yeah. What is the faint beeping every once in a while? Oh, yeah, that too. Um, uh, so, <laughs> so, like a week ago, no, less than a week ago, we had a, um, a, what are the things that beep in your house when you're on fire? Smoke detector? Yes, those <laughs> we had one of those that was uh, beeping, and like for a solid day, I was the only one that was bothered by it. And so we oh, were like crazy. downstairs, rather than either of it, because like it started going off at like nine at night, so we weren't gonna like you know go, go out and get batteries. Yeah, so we were just like, okay, like we can handle it for today. And then um, that tree that I was complaining about a couple weeks ago, yep, woke me up because it was slapping against our house. Great. And um, and then I was just awake from that beeping, and then yeah. It, anyway, long story short, it's that. That's what the beeping is. Is that he is putting batteries in it, and it sounds like it's going poorly. No oh, fun. That was a really long-winded answer and a pretty no. boring story for your. No, question. not at all. It's the most relatable thing in the entire universe. <laughs> it just made that me think of that in a building of any sort yeah. that is regulated. In any way. I just, you know, I am so terrified of our house burning down all the time. But also, I hate smoke detectors more than anything in the entire world. So I do, too. They're so annoying. Reagan. <laughs> yes, Taylor. First of all, welcome to Babetown. Welcome to Babetown, Taylor. I feel welcome. Do you feel welcome? Oh, my God. I feel the most welcomed. That's so good. Hello, fine people. Welcome to Babetown, fine, fine folks. Essentially, Taylor and I are best friends, and we were chatting about the state of affairs of the world and uh, realized that we were just bumming each other out real hard. So mm-hmm. we decided that the best way to combat this was to, you know, Josh Groban style, raise each other up. So... We're telling each other stories about really, really, really badass women that, like, pump us up to the nth degree. And we call it Babetown. And I'm Taylor. And I'm Reagan. Sometimes I think that we don't even need to say our names because I don't think that we sound (laughs) anything alike. I don't either. I just, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know how podcasts work, man. I don't either. This isn't a podcast about podcasts, Taylor. Listen, it's not a podcasting podcast. Uh, so Taylor, I have a question for you, a follow-up question. Hit me. Um, when was your babe born? 
I don't really have a babe per se. So how many follow-up questions should I ask? <laughs> um, let's just ballpark and say 2015. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm going first is what you're saying. That is what I am saying. Yes. Okay. Great. 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 <laughs> what if I was like 2016? Oh, oh my God. I'm going to tell you about the fucking coolest four-year-old man <laughs> you have ever heard of. They would only be, be three, three, but it's fine. It's, only, it's fine. It's not a calendar podcast, Reagan. We're not a math podcast. I'm not a calendar <laughs> podcast. Well, in that case, <clears throat> sit tight with your shandy. I'm sitting the tightest. Have you ever heard of a woman named Annie Alexander? No. Don't Yay! So. Okay. Okay. Yay. Okay. Is this... This isn't. This doesn't happen to be like Annie. Get your gun, right? No, this is not. It. Well, I mean, is that a real person? Probably not. Yeah, I think that's a real person. That is, that is not who this person is based off of, but okay. that is a timely joke that I will call back to later. Oh, can't wait. Okay. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. Okay, so Annie Montague Alexander, right? What a name. I know. She's born December 29th, 1867, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay. Her grandparents were New England missionaries to Maui. And her father was named Samuel Thomas Alexander, and her mother was named Martha Cook. So her mother was the daughter, so her grandfather, on her mother's side, owned a sugar company in Hawaii that is apparently part of the quote-unquote Big Five. There are five major sugar companies apparently okay her dad samuel co-owned a sugar company called c and h with his brother and they were also part of the big five that it eventually built into the the c and h sugar there specifically eventually built to a multinational company that combined shipping and refining and was super cognizant of and like made a top priority the farmers concerns so they were really um aware of i think they were very aware of like the effect that it was happening on farming and trying to work with farmers rather than just like make money you know what i mean yeah yeah um he was also a partner in a navigation company so samuel alexander was loaded and samuel um, alexander is the grandfather yes no samuel no. sorry samuel alexander is her dad her grandfather was also loaded. Oh, okay. I'm okay. sorry. I should have I should have clarified that. Her You're grandfather owned probably... a sugar company. Her father also owned a sugar company and was a partner in a navigation company. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing about her dad, one of the cool things, her dad, Samuel, is just the dopest. So he had zero qualms with her breaking gender norms. He had no... Um, ideas of like who or what she should be he was just like hey wherever the winds of your passions blow you go for it um and encouraged her to literally pursue whatever she wanted so in 1886 she briefly attended a women's school but reading and like close-up paperwork gave her massive migraines <gasps> yep sweet soul i know so a surgeon keep in mind 1886 
Oh, no. A surgeon prescribed the super easy peasy, no big deal treatment of just cutting some of the muscles to her eyeballs. Oh. Do you want to? I mean. Oh, what? What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, what? What does that even mean? Like, so just some look around all the way or. I don't know. Maybe he thought there was too much tension that I don't I have no idea. I mean, I feel that. I was literally telling Evan today that it felt like my eyes were just swollen because they hurt to move. So maybe if you just snip, snip a couple of those muscles. Oh, my God. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Does that make you want to die? Well, so much. They did it. And I'm horrified. Um, And great news. It didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking course not. Yeah. So don't do that. Oh, God. Um, Okay. So, like, real briefly, she studied nursing and then quickly noped out of that. Um, And she (laughs) dropped out of school because she couldn't study for long periods of time. She couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. do the, the written work. And so she dropped out of school and felt, like, really intellectually inferior the rest of her life. But was, quote, self-confident to a fault in every other aspect. Oh, so, you know, my it balances. God. My dream. <laughs> I, I wish that I... love it. I wish... Okay, yeah. Already, um, I love her. Oh, she's the best. So, in 1888, she traveled with her parents to Paris and started, started studying painting. Her dad also taught her business and money handling very wisely so that she could manage her own future as mm-hmm. a person that was going to come into a lot of money. She would know oh, how right. to handle it wisely. Yeah. Um, so then she has this, like all of the accounts of her go on and on about this, like gargantuan um, energy. And she just wanted to be an adventurer and she just wanted to be outside. So, Her dad left the business in capable hands and took her biking through Europe in 1893. Then they sailed through the Pacific in 1896. Then they went camping in Oregon. And then they went to Bermuda in 1899. And they basically just took dad and daughter trips all over the world. Wow. I know. They went to mountains and desert, like any extreme climate, as long as they could learn about nature they just wanted to be outside. God, my dream. I know. It's amazing because she had all of the curiosity in the world and basically spent most of her young life ambling around wherever her huge energy propelled her. And she had no higher goal than to travel, which like, okay. Dude, I wish that I could do that with my migraines and just be like, you know what? Work. Never mind. Never mind. I'm gonna travel. I'm going to be outside. i wealthy. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Crazy. I yeah. would love nothing more. Um, so then the year 1900 rolls around and she audits a lecture at the University of California at Berkeley by Professor John C. Merriam and homegirl got stoked on paleontology. <gasps> yes. She falls hard for paleontology. So she starts completely funding all of their expeditions at UC Berkeley. Oh my God. Um, And she's joining them on the expeditions, which you would think like money and inviting yourself along when you've never really had to work, probably not the best thing. 
Yeah, but also she's the investor, so investors can do pretty much whatever the shit they want. Right, but I guess I just thought, like, oh, you're investing all this money, and you're like, and I get to go along, and you're like, great, we got to babysit this investor the whole time. But she had experience roughing it in every climate and was, like, they literally called her the hardiest member of every expedition. Oh, my God. Wow. So then the next year they go to Fossil Lake in Oregon. Uh, For the next two years, they go to Mount Shasta in California. Later, they go to West Humboldt Range in Nevada. And then she spends five months in Alaska in another, like, they're going all over the place. And she found a new species of dinosaur that I super can't pronounce. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. That's her finding. So she's out on these expeditions that she's paying for. She's hunting for the crew's breakfast. She's the last one asleep. She's the first one to wake up. She's a natural at finding the best locations and, quote, unearthing their secrets. Hang on. What do you mean she's hunting for the crew's breakfast? I mean, she's hunting for the crew's breakfast. Like, like Annie, get your gun style. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Not where I was going to put it in, but you know what? Zing. It worked. I love it. Okay. This is my favorite quote, maybe of all time. I'm not sure. I know I say that every week, but whatever. They're so good. This is a quote from her. We worked hard up to the end. My dear friend, Miss Wimble, stood by me through thick and thin. Night after night, we stood before a hot fire to stir rice or beans or corn or soup, contriving the best dinners we could out of our dwindling provisions. We sometimes wondered if the men thought the firewood dropped out of the sky or whether a fairy godmother brought it to our front door, for they never asked any questions. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. That's that sass that I want to live my life by. Yeah. Oh, did you did you think this firewood fell from the sky? Oh, that's so crazy. It actually oh. didn't. I got it. You funny, know, when I was funny, hunting weird. for your breakfast. You know, I worked really hard on this, but no, it's cool. You can get paid more than me. It's fine. It's fine. Also, I'm paying your salary. That's fine. No, it's cool. It's it's so much. So, okay. In 1904, her life takes a little bit of a turn, and this is where it gets a little sad. Okay. A lot sad. So she and her dad go on a safari through Africa with one of her dad's friends and then the friend's son. And unfortunately, these, like, really big hunting safaris were really popular at the time because Teddy Roosevelt had a highly publicized hunting safari through the heart of Africa that then turned into a best-selling book. So all the bored, rich white people thought, oh, that's how we'll be interesting. We'll go Mm. kill a bunch of animals. Mm. So they got stoked on killing a bunch of animals that are now on the extinction watch lists. Um, but for some reason, she refused to kill giraffes and monkeys, which, like, thanks. But, yeah. Like, maybe everything else, too. Maybe all the other stuff. While they're in Africa, her dad's friend got sick and ended up dying in Kenya. Okay. And as if that weren't enough, they are then taking pictures at Victoria Falls. And here's where a lot of... Um, records were conflicting. Um, Some people say there was a rock slide. Some people say that there were workers above them that either threw a rock or lost control of a rock. 
Um, some people say that he was killed on impact right in front of her. Some people say that the rock hit his foot and then it was amputated and he died the next day. But either way, her dad died. Getting hit by a mysterious rock. Yes, whether in the head or on the foot, which then got amputated and he died from compl- complications. I'm not really oh. sure. Okay. Um, but while in Africa, her dad died. So she gets back home and she has all of these quote unquote trophies and she decides to turn them into something more. So in 1908, she began a scientific institution that within a decade would be a national leader in vertebrate biology. She starts the Museum of Vertebrate Zoology at Berkeley. Wow. Single-handedly from nothing, she provided all of the funding to finance research, expeditions, publications, student research trips, and faculty sabbaticals. Wow. Yes. This lady is loaded. She's loaded, and she's using her money in the best way. Yeah. It's so cool. So she herself took on more trips to Alaska, Oregon, and remote regions of the California wilderness in a frenzied attempt to document all of the fauna of the West Coast ecosystems before they were destroyed by development. Oh, sad. So here's another thing that, because apparently I choose people with, um, like, controversial legacies. Yeah. Um, they, in all of the research, they use the word collecting. But it turns okay. out collecting means hunting. Mm. So when she was collecting specimens, she was going out and she was killing them and bringing them back. She was basically finding as many live spe- specimens as she could. And then bringing them back to put into the museum as taxidermies. Which, at the time, science said that it was, like, the best way to document. But I have to think, like, did you did you try to think of better ways? I mean... I don't know. It's hard to I say. Mean, I mean, 1908. Like, I don't... Yeah. You and know? also, like, it's a similar thing as to what Darwin did. I know. It's just... You know, like, it's not sucks. the best, but it's not as though she was going and killing whole populations of an animal group. Well, so... Oh. <laughs> she didn't. She did not kill whole populations. And, like, so, ultimately, it helped us understand species and ecosystems and, you know, conservation and... Basically, her work is the basis of the National Park Service, and she put together better practices and limits on further collecting, but it's the mm-hmm. whole, I don't know, I wonder yeah. what, like, if they would have done it differently, or if it hadn't happened, how would our conservation and science be different now? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Reagan, I can't wait to tell you about my thing this week, because... Yay. It's weird that this is what you've chosen. Yay, yay, yay. Great. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, as soon as I found a science conservationist that had migraines, I was like, come on. Please. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's just, it's like how Violet Jessup was me in a past life because of my migraines. Yes. This lady also. Yes, in a huge way. So her museum director was named Joseph Grinelli. He was an okay. evolutionary biologist. Grinelli helped Annie set protocols for how to behave in the field, how to collect, how to document, and they worked together to, I mean, they did crucial work in documenting 
how humans play a role in species extinction, which wow. worked as basis for the National Park Service. Like, that's why that all came about. Yeah. But Grinelli also had the largest private collection of bird specimens. And there was something that I read that, like, on one of Annie's trips, she killed a whole bunch of birds of the same species and nearly wiped them out of that. Oh, no. Yeah. Because she she killed, like, all the mothers or something. Oh, no. Um, Oh, God. Yeah, it was not good. It wasn't complete, but, like, yeah. Um, Which, her data helped us understand the minutia of how different species work in different climates, but, like, don't wipe out birds. Yeah, don't do it. You know? I like birds. Right, most people do. So back to the good things. Um, she gave the museum $7,000 a year, which I looked it up, and today that is over $180,000 a year, as Damn. well as money for extra salaries, expeditions, and an endowment of several hundred thousand dollars, which would be millions now, so that the museum would survive after she died. Wow. Because of its financial stability through the Great Depression, um, all of the vigorous field work and the research policies, and they were super open with lending species to other institutes for educational purposes, it became the number one institution for theoretical and field vertebrate study in the U.S. Wow. Um, So then she's like, you know what, I should retire, I've done enough. No, she opens the Museum of Paleontology. I bet that if it still exists, is a fucking awesome museum. I believe it does. Wow. Um, and she gave it equal funding and help on expeditions. Man. Because I don't understand her stamina in any way. The whole uh, time, getting crazy migraines. Yeah, yeah. And not being, and, okay, here's my question. If some of the muscles behind your eyes are cut, Oh my god, I totally forgot about the eye thing already. Right. So do you just have crazy lazy eyes all the time? Like, yeah, can you just not look around? I don't know. How much control do you have? It's like that joke in Hot Fuzz where he's like, oh yeah, go ask the bartender and he'll tell you the dogs can't look up. I saw it once, I don't don't know. Oh my god. Wow. Somebody will text you when this airs and be like, Be like, lol, great joke. Yep. And then I'll get a text that's like, really? Watch Hot Fuzz. Ooh, also, though, it wasn't that great of a reference because it was in Shaun of the Dead. So this is nice. a mess. I'm going to cut this out. <laughs> I'm going to cut all of this out. <laughs> leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, yeah, wow, I totally forgot about her not being able to look up. Nope, she well. touched dogs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no. good. Maybe- so good. Maybe I'll just call you back. We should just start over. No, right? no, absolutely not. <laughs> Leave it all in. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. so, anyway. <clears throat> so anyway. So she was the one that thought of like talking to local experts to get the lay of the land on all of the expeditions and learn what the best practices were so that they could then spread that knowledge to similar climates or people mm-hmm. who were traveling. It was, yeah. And apparently her stamina in the field was bonkers even into her 60s. Oh my God. Like, wow. 
what? Calm down. I just. So it's about to get real adorable. You ready? I'm so ready. In 1908, Annie Alexander met her life partner, Louisa Kellogg, who was also a field researcher. And they had, quote, a Boston marriage, which is hilarious because it's like, yeah, it's when two wealthy women who do not need the influence of men live together as friends. And I'm like, guys, 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 guys. Oh, you guys. You guys, they were really in love. They were super in love. And you wouldn't let them get married because you guys suck. Yeah. Wow. But for 42 years, they were inseparable. They bought a farm and sold their asparagus nationwide. So they They... bought a farm. Mm -hmm. And they worked it together. And they sold asparagus. Asparagus nationwide. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know why asparagus is the cutest vegetable. It's the cutest thing. Wow. It's the cutest thing. That's my favorite tidbit of this entire thing is they sold their asparagus nationwide. God, I love that so much. And then in the farm off season, they would go on expeditions and travel the world together. But they switched from paleontology to botany because plants are a lot easier to collect than bones. And so they would just head out with their tent and satchels and return to the university herbarium at Berkeley with plants galore and kept teaching everybody stuff. So they just lived quietly on the farm. And, oh, my God, I forgot. They had a journal that they took turns entering into. Nope. Nope. Yes. Yes. Nope. Nope. That suddenly is like the cutest version of a couple joint Facebook group. It's the only acceptable version. It's the only one. It's the only good version of that. Because then you could go read what your part. It's so cute. It's so oh, cute. Man, and it's like in two cute, adorable handwritings. Yes, because that you know they have good penmanship. Uh, I don't know though. Like, especially Annie, she's like out in the field all the time. I bet she's got shit penmanship. Maybe. But Maybe. I bet Louisa, her name, oh, oh yeah. I bet it's like the cutest, like a little flowery. Oh, oh God, they're, I love that. Yeah, they, it's it's they're my favorite. I'm obsessed. In 1950. No, you're about to tell me something bad. Well, yeah, but like, no one lives forever. You know what I mean? Shut your face. Both of these cute ladies should. And the end. They're still alive in a farm somewhere. Great. Hooray! You can buy their asparagus at Trader Joe's. <laughs> in 1950, Annie went to a conference on evolution and had a stomachache. And then three days later, she had a stroke that put her into a coma, and that eventually killed her. So she died on September 10th, 1950. And the oh final, God. the final journal entry is in Louisa's handwriting, and it just says. Finis. Oh my god. Yep. Oh my god. Were you? Did you want to cry tonight? I I don't remember. Listen, Reagan. Okay, here's the deal. I am the most aggressively on my period, and this is no good. It's making me feel feelings, and I hate it. Me too. <laughs> oh my god. Are you? Yeah. Wow. Cute. Uh, oh god. god, that makes me feel more feelings. We're basically in a 
a long distance Boston marriage. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, so Annie's ashes were buried in Maui, overlooking her childhood home. And there are at least 17 species of plants and animals that bear her name. Some of them bear Louisa Kellogg's name. And I don't know if you've heard of a little place, uh, called Lake Alexander in Southeast Alaska on Admiralty Island, Northeast of Sitka. That is named after Annie Alexander. Stop that. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? And that wow. is the crazy story of Annie Alexander Adventurer. Wow. How adorable is that? The most adorable. And also to think that, I mean, by the time this airs, it'll be like three weeks ago, I was talking shit about adventurers. <laughs> In the quickest sorcerer shit of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, our good friend, Wikipedia. And then... There was an article on ucmp.berkeley.edu talking about one of its founding ladies. And there was a huge deep dive article where I basically like verbatim said it to you and I just inserted other facts in my own comments <laughs> um, on womenyoushouldknow.com. Oh, great. Damn, dude. Good work. Thanks, dude. I was really, really, really stoked to tell you about past life, you. Yeah, I love that. Now I'm going to grab my box wine and glass, and uh, can you tell me about whatever the hell you're talking about? Yeah, so... Okay, so I'm a little nervous about doing this, because it's a group of babes that was founded by a dude okay so a lot of this story is going to be about this dude because it's a relatively new thing but it's about a group of babes that i think that everyone in the world should know about and i think that it's a really cool important thing that they are all collectively doing so you know what's cool tell me we make the rules of this podcast so i'll allow it Oh my god, that's the coolest. Okay, great. So, (laughs) I love that. So, okay, Reagan. Yes. Have you heard of the Akashinga? I really have not. Otherwise known as the Brave Ones. Oof. Ooh, I got that excited feeling in my stomach. Oh my god. Okay, so. Maybe I'm just cramping. Who's to say? (laughs) Okay, so. First, a little background so you were talking about the national parks being formed right yes so i had never heard this term before and was looking it up and was suddenly obsessed and also it made a lot of sense to me so the idea of national parks falls into a conservation ideology called fortress conservation and so that's basically the idea that to keep to preserve an area to conserve the resources there we need to essentially wall it off and it needs to be devoid of human contact right that's kind of the idea behind national parks is keep it wilderness there's a 2018 report that was written by victoria Tolley corpus um, who is the united nations special rapporteur on indigenous peoples 
It's co-authored okay. by the NGO Rights and Resources Initiative, otherwise known as the RRI. Okay. So her report, their report, basically says that fortress conservation is hugely detrimental to the planet because it does not take into account the fact that indigenous people have been living in wilderness areas since the beginning of time and we've never been in the conservational crisis that we are currently in today. So Ooh, that's a great point. It's a great point. And I had never heard of this before. So I was like obsessively reading about this last night and then was like, wait, no, I have to like write about a babe. <laughs> I was like okay, I'm getting really distracted. So um so her report included five case studies on Indonesia, India, Panama, Peru, and the Republic of the Congo. So her report, quote, the idea that to protect forests and biodiversities, ecosystems need to function in isolation devoid of people. That kind of is the general idea of fortress conservation. In her report, however, though, she points out that tree cover loss is reported to be less than half on indigenous land and even lower than that when the land is expressly and legally the indigenous peoples. So if they feel like it's their land that they are owning, that they have an entitled right to, not something that a government has taken and then quote unquote given back, Ugh. then we don't you don't see a lot of the same conservation issues because you're suddenly relying on the indigenous people to do what they do best and understand that the land is part of the human experience rather than just like, we're here and we're going to take all of it. Like the, oh. this whole thing is just beautiful to read and also like kind of a bummer that it's not widely implemented. So she talks specifically about the Peruvian isolated people that were found in Manu National Park a few years ago. It's this previously uncontacted tribe, but they don't own their land hmm. because Peru owns their land because it's in a national park. So even though they're an indigenous people that have been there for thousands of years and have been living in this national park because they put up a national park around them, suddenly it's the national park's land and they are essentially trespassing. So her whole report is kind of like, hey, we need to do something about this. So she calls for a bunch of things to be done, but um, the one that stuck out the most to me is spending more of these conservation-based funds on, quote, community-run conservation initiatives, kind of focused around, quote, an emerging suite of approaches such as co-management, indigenous-managed protected areas, and indigenous territorial governance. So she, like, it's a fascinating report to read. She interviews a lot of people who are currently living in or around national parks that are indigenous people that are like, yeah, we're responsible for this land, whether it's alive or dead. And it's really easy to oh. see a forest when it's green. And it's really easy to say, hey, we need to protect this. But also when the forest starts to die, we need to take care of that because mm. otherwise that's just going to spread. Like the idea that the wilderness is best when it's total wilderness might be true to an extent, but also you're not taking into account that there have been people there forever. It's just, it's so interesting. And it was the idea of like, it was interesting to see the idea of national parks, which has always been this like beautiful thing to me yeah. as somebody who's not been ever affected by that to suddenly be like, Oh yeah, that, that probably is really detrimental in a lot of cases. Yeah. So, okay. So Devin Mander is the dude that I was telling you about. Definitely so he is an Australian 
while an ex-Australian Royal Navy clearance diver. He was a special ops sniper in the Tactical Assault Group East. Um, He worked for a long time as the project manager in the Iraq Special Police Training Academy, but he really quickly burned out on that because he was watching all of these people that he was training either die or have some horrible mental trauma because Uh, they were just out killing people, which like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. There's no way to prep for that. Right. Of course that would take a horrible toll on you. So he got super burnt out on it. Um, He ended up going for kind of like a, I don't know, a walkabout in, in South America where he just kind of did some soul searching. He had like a little eat, pray, love sesh. Right. And then he comes back and he goes on a short stint in South Africa. So he's in Africa and he's kind of watching the situation of conservation unfold around him. So he realizes that elephant and rhino populations are plummeting because of poaching. The BBC writes, quote, in seven years, elephant populations have plummeted by 30% across the continent, largely due to poaching. And so he's here for that whole thing. And he's like, we've got to do something about this. So um, his Iraq project manager job had like paid super well. So he had like a couple of houses in Australia and like all the savings and everything. And he sells all of his shit and moves to South Africa permanently. Uses all of that money to create the International Anti-Poaching Foundation. So his whole kind of idea is that he was going to bring this militarized special ops training that he had to anti-poaching initiatives. Um, They did this for a while and he was like, okay, this is successful. Like we're stopping a lot of poaching, but this isn't a long-term approach. We can't just, um, he says, he tells the BBC quote, you cannot sustain an ongoing offensive against the local population as a means of conservation. The long-term solution depends on winning the hearts and minds of the community. So he was like, we need to get the communities on board with this idea and show them that these animals are more valuable to them alive than they are dead and on markets. So in 2015, he starts kind of looking for other solutions, but he was running into issues of funding and um, not really sure what he wanted to do. So he kind of accidentally stumbles upon the idea of having a anti-poaching ranger squad made entirely of women. Oh. Yeah. Oh so my God. he realizes that not only will it garner some funding because it's easier to get funding for initiatives like that than just being like, yeah, we're another anti-poaching. Like he was right. like, no, 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 like this will help us get funding, but it'll also, he, he, his whole idea was that he wanted to go into communities and find specifically women with traumatic backgrounds. And oh. he was like, I want to help empower traumatized women and kind of, help them start over. So he um, was met with a lot of pushback on this. Of course. Um, A guy named Craig Spencer is the founder and manager of the Black Mamba Anti-Poaching Unit in South Africa. Um, They were the first all-female ranger unit on the continent, but they're unarmed. So Devin's whole perspective is like... The Black Mamba? Yes. Okay. So So Devin's whole perspective is like, 
okay, yeah, that's great. Like, ideally, we wouldn't need to be armed, but also sending anybody out there unarmed, that's asking for trouble. Like, there, there's yeah. no way that we can do that. Um, Although that so, is a dope name. Dude, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, so it, he kind of puts the word out there, and um, the Pundundu Wildlife Park eventually hits him back. So it used to be a former hunting block that dried up when the U.S. banned elephant imports. And so now it was a conservation block. So the manager of the wildlife park was like, yeah, you can try our experiment here. Like we're getting poached left, right and center. So we'll try pretty much anything. So they go, he specifically asks for women. It was like ages 18 to 35 that had traumatic backgrounds because he says his reasoning was who could better empathize with animals who had been exploited than women who had also been exploited in terrible ways. Yeah. So he, um, he tells the BBC there were 90 women that turned up to the initial call for applicants. And he tells the BBC quote, these weren't victims of circumstance. They were victims of men. Of course. So this guy is like an ally. It kind of sucks because I hate doing it like a whole thing about a dude, but like, wow, is this dude a babe? (laughs) So step one to be an ally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, give 100%. a voice to yeah. who needs it. Yeah, and it's really cool going on the Akashinga website because his name is not mentioned once in the history. Not once. His name is not on there at all. It's so cool. It's so cool. So, um, so 37 women progressed to the tryouts out of 90. Um, they he had specifically designed the tryouts off of his military special ops career. Um, So he was like, yeah, we're going to try and break these women. Like, we're going to try and break them like we would anybody. So he's like, they need to be super tough. They need to be rangers. Um, He had previously run this exact same tryouts. It's like a, I think it was like a three or four day boot camp, basically. Next time I go to an audition, I'm going to be like, man. Dude. This is a breeze. Just wait. Just wait. So he had previously run this with, um, it was like 170 dudes for an earlier ranger course that he had been trying to um, start up. And by the end of it, by the end of the first day, there were only three men left. (laughs) All dropped out. So 37 women progressed to these tryouts. By the end of the whole training, only three of them dropped out. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, so I this, love guy, women. this guy and like the dude that are that's like helping him coordinate this, both of them in like all of these interviews are like, yeah, like these women are way tougher than we thought they were going to be. So um one of the rangers who ended up making it, her name is Future Sibanda. Um, and she said, quote, um, wildlife has the right to live. I want my kids to have the opportunity to see animals, not only in photos and books, but alive and in nature. Mm-hmm. So she's like doing it for her kids. All of these women are incredible. Like she has, she's a divorced mom of two. Um, and was like, yeah, I basically, this is my, this is my opportunity to make a living and make a difference. And so he 
basically went and found a bunch of people that were sick of the violence and wanted to do something meaningful to combat that. And it's so, it's just wow, the most really cool. She, the same lady is interviewed about this boot camp and she's like, yeah, it was really, really hard. And I didn't think once about quitting. Wow. She's like the whole time. I, I it was the hardest thing and I never once thought about quitting. Because she oh, has so much God. purpose behind it. God. And like, just That's incredible. It's just so amazing. So um, talking about this boot camp, Devin says, quote, the distance a person puts between suffering and breaking is what defines character. And these women had it. I know. I know. So. So since October of 2017, they've arrested 72 poachers. Good. Not once have they fired their gun. I bet they're the most intimidating women in the universe. Dude, not once. They've been able to do the whole thing without any shootouts, which is, like, unheard of. And I hope that it continues. Yeah. But I'm glad that they have the training. Totally. Yep, and that's his whole point is, like, yeah, it's really great that we've been able to do this without gunfire, and hopefully that continues, but I want them to be able to defend themselves if the need should arise. It's like, I don't want them to get caught out there with poachers who are notoriously well-armed and determined. And apparently don't give a huge shit about life. Like, yeah. He's like, I, yeah. So they've always been able to de-escalate the situation. There's a really great National Geographic article about this where they go on a raid with the the Akashinga. Oh my God, that's so cool. By the way, they named themselves... The women name themselves the brave ones. Good. Hell God, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm so obsessed with these women. I'm just so obsessed with them. So um, on top of that, the Akashinga, 60% of the operational costs goes back into the community, with 80% of that going directly back into the households. So they've, Ugh. in the time that they've had the Akashinga up and running, they've been able to build a greenhouse They've been able to restore buildings. Like, they're actively putting back into their community. And they're... In two years. In two years. Yeah. They're going into the community and they're finding these women that um, are from troubled backgrounds and saying, hey, you have the opportunity to now be the reason that your community thrives. And it's working really well. It's working really well. And it just makes me so happy. I was like... Tearing up last night reading about how great this is. And, like, still they're running up against all of this, like, well, you know, it might not be a sustainable model. And, like, him and um, there's an ecologist that's been helping him out named Mervis Chiware. And he and her have both been like, okay, why is this any less sustainable of a business model than a male rangers group? Yeah. What's the difference? How is this any less sustainable or less applicable to other areas. They're in Zimbabwe. And so they're currently the president of Zimbabwe is like super about it. Like his daughter has joined on with Ranger missions. Oh my and God. so like he, they're, they're like trying to spread this model to the rest of Africa. And it's so cool. It's so cool. Not, not to mention, but like how many poachers have the all male Rangers caught without firing any bullets? Yeah. Probably not a ton. Probably not over 70. Well, and he, 
he talks about, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't really have a bunch of fear of putting guns into the hands of these women because men use guns as a toy and women use guns as a tool. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. it. Like, guy fucking gets it. <laughs> okay, so side note Love. real quick. Yes, please. Because toy versus toy. Yeah. Um, so I carry pepper spray with me in Chicago because yeah. Chicago. Right. And we went to a baseball game not long ago. And as I was going through security, they took my pepper spray and I was like, wait, what? Like I, and they were like, yeah, you can't take this in the stadium. And I was like, okay, can I hide it somewhere outside the stadium? Can I, you know, and then get it, can I give it to someone, like, check it in and then check it out when I leave? And they were like, no. And so I was like, okay, never mind. I don't want to go to the game. And they were like, sorry, we already shut the gate down. You're inside. And I was like, (laughs) so my option is throw away my only self-defense and walk into a stadium filled with drunk white dudes. Yeah. My only defense. And they all started laughing at me and it made me tear up because I was so angry and it ruined the entire experience, obviously. Of course. Of course. But I was like, I would rather not go to this Ugh. stupid baseball game. Yeah. And keep my self-defense, my only self-defense. And literally all of them just started laughing at me. It made me so angry. But I was like, who is going to pepper spray people for fun at a baseball game? This is when all the Akashinga come running in behind you to just beat the shit out of those dudes. God, it would have been oh, beautiful. Oh, man. God, it's, you should, oh my God, I can't wait to post photos of these women because they're the most incredible people, like just the most incredible. Um, so the lady that helps him out, Mervis Chiware, um, she helped to, she helped to recruit the Rangers, but then also helps counsel them during hard times. There's, uh, there's a, um, an account of they were out on patrol and two of the Rangers and a male guy drowned in a river crossing. And it like really shook the whole team um, because they were suddenly, it sounds like they were suddenly all very afraid that they were all going to die on every patrol. And so she, this lady is like the one that's like, no, no, like, accidents happen this was because of a miscalculation on pretty much everybody's part like it it happens we're out on patrol like there are animals there are poachers there are there's just being out in the wilderness like shit happens but you can't let that distract you and you can't let that shake you so yeah um she's quoted as saying i tell them the buildings one building one's person is very important because the moment you become self-reliant with your own job it enables you to make decisions for yourself. It gives you the power to get out of re- abusive relationships. Oh. So they're like taking, <sighs> they're taking everything that they're learning from being a ranger and applying it to being just empowered women. And it's just beautiful. The coolest. It's just the coolest. Um, an ecologist that studies animal behavior, which is super interesting because they, um, it's apparently pretty rare for ranger patrols to see wildlife on every patrol, except for the Akashinga. They see wildlife almost every single patrol that they're on. And really? this ecologist is like, 
it might have something to do with that the animals know that most <gasps> poachers are men. No. They yeah. feel safe with Yakushinka. So now there's like a whole study happening around the Akashinga and around animal oh behavior as to whether or not that's feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. So I they're like cry. I know. So they're like studying the animals now. It's like a whole new thing of animal behavior just based off of this where they were like, "Oh, we didn't really think about this, but let's see if that's an actual thing that's happening." Oh, it's so my cool. God, that is so cool. It's so cool. So this guy's quoted as saying, one thing that I'm sure of is that the Akashinga has brought a new dimension to conservation and law enforcement in Zimbabwe. Women are equally as good as men and could be even better. Of Fuck yeah. They're better. Of course they're better. Of course. Of course they're better. Um, so there's... Can we make t-shirts that say we support the Akashinga and then on the back they say fuck yeah, bud? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Amazing. Um, so the BBC article is incredible. It's so long and so in-depth. Um, and it touches on a bunch of different women in the Rangers group. But the one that they touch on the most, her name is Kelly Lee Chigambura. Um, she was in high school and was planning on being a nurse, planning on going to school to be a nurse once she had graduated. Um, while she was in high school, she was raped and then was realized that she was pregnant. Mm. Um, because she did not have the resources and in the Shona culture, if a mother does not have the resources, it goes to the father. Yeah. Um, so because she didn't have the resources, the baby was taken by the rapist's mom. No. And she had to drop out of school because she had a baby. Oh, and no. so she was worried that her life was over. So she answered this call for rangers, is now part of the Akashinga. Now, because she is part of the Akashinga and has a job, because they get paid for this, it's a, it's a job. As they, they get, very well should. 100%. They get two weeks off at a time. Um she is now able to, she's regained custody of her now two-year-old daughter, and she is going back to school to be a nurse. Also, I'm so, I just, she is going to raise the most badass, proud, oh, badass, God. empowered little girl. I know. Oh I know. my God. I know. It's the coolest. So um, so it was really interesting to read about fortress conservation and then follow it up by finding the Akashinga because I was like, oh, this is exactly what they're talking about. It's the idea of bringing in the community. This guy, Devin, keeps calling it the community buy-in where he's like, you need to get the community aware that they are sitting on on really valuable land to the outside world and that they need to protect it by saving it rather than, yeah. you know, poaching it, giving it out. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, or it's letting just it sit. Coolest. Yeah. It's just the coolest. Like they've, um, the Akashinga rewards community members who assist in arrests of poachers, um, or help recover poached items. So they're, um, 
they also like they just have such they have like celebrity status in Zimbabwe like they were talking about how they like go in and like talk to schools to like they'll walk into the like assembly area of schools and it'll just be like raucous cheering for these women like they're like super and it's the coolest thing they um oh my god can you imagine going to school what these women come through and talk to you and just like dreaming of growing up to become uh, part of the Akashinka. God, dude. It's just, I love it. Oh so my much. God. I just love it so much. Um, the Nat Geo article, when they go on the raid with them, I keep saying raid, but it's really like a patrol. Um, and they get word that there's a cheetah that's been killed. Um, oh. They go to this, this, site and there's like all these people there and there's one there's like two dudes that are like super bloodied up and a dead I think it's a cheetah um and the Nat Geo article talks about how when the Akashinga show up everybody gets quiet and like lets them part and get to the center of things and she like goes up to the front and like it just has like a conversation with the guys there and they're like okay what happened and they're like oh it's a it was self-defense the cheetah attacked us so we had to kill it and they they like talk about how the Akashinga are like, okay, well, you're not that bloody, so that right. doesn't make a lot of sense. So, but they it's very much like a conversation rather than like a guns drawn confrontation. Right. Confront- yeah. It's so cool to read about, and Which, I could huh. fill. Wonder how that would go if it was men with guns. Super weird. It's yeah. almost hmm. like we should have women in government but huh. no their emotions much too uh, hysterical the emotions possibly. oh no so many emotions so many emotions but yeah they like they like have in their oh my god dude i could just i could just fill up an entire episode just talking about how cool i think these ladies are they have in their um like headquarters tent just a bunch of photos of themselves being like really cool as like inspiration. They have photos of themselves hanging up for inspiration, and I love it. Hell more yes. Than anything more than Hell anything. Yeah. yeah, I I'm so obsessed with these women. So obsessed with these women, and I think it's really cool that this dude that formed this is not like literally, dude. I had no idea it was formed by a dude until I found this BBC article because nothing on the Agashinga website references him at all that's cool it's that's very really cool. cool it's very very cool so i mean you can uh, tell that he's he's very much in it for the conservation mm-hmm. like yep. he's in it to help as much as possible it's so great to read about because it's really clear that he saw so much shit in yeah. his early career and was like this can't be what my mark on the world is it can't be there has there i have to do more than this and i just love that so much um so let me source my shit real quick oh my god there's a bunch of i'm gonna go google it immediately yep first of all the main thing is this bbc article um Mm -hmm. it is called meet the brave ones the women saving africa's wildlife um it's written by rachel newer from Zimbabwe. So the Nat Geo article is called Why Zimbabwe's Female Rangers Are Better at Stopping Poaching. And it's yep. written by Lindsay Smith. And then the article about 
about fortress conservation is from The Guardian, written by a man named David Hill. And then I got it from the IAPF website, which is the Akashinga website, but IAPF is um, the name of his International Anti-Poaching Foundation. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I had found these because I was looking for a single anti-poaching lady um, just to see if that existed. And then this popped up and I was like, this is so much better. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. So much better. So I have a question that you may not have an answer to. I don't know. Um, Is there a way that we can support them? Yes. On the Akashinga website, there is, um, it is iapf.org slash Akashinga, A-K-A-S-H-I-N-G-A. Okay. Um, And there's right on the logo, there's a donate button. So I, that might be a donate to the international anti-poaching foundation, but there is a website that I'm sure if you are looking to specifically donate to the Akashinga, you can do so. Yeah. I'm sure it's a, it's a very common thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, incredible and i love it wow dude that he's that they're that they are knocking out conservation and also empowering these disadvantaged women and just oh and it's just all of my favorite things wrapped into one yeah yeah wow dude yeah so that's one example of how fortress conservation doesn't work and could be better i love this whole idea of like thinking of like okay this works kind of but how could it be better? Right. Progressivism is cool. It's the coolest. It's pretty much the coolest. If only we could get the rest of the country on board with it. One step at a time, you know? You know. Midterms, man. Elizabeth Warren. Here we go. Flip the Senate. Slash yeah, Elizabeth Warren. Um, wow. Cool. Yeah. I'm not even going to wait until this airs. I'm going to go tell Trevor about the Akashenga immediately. <laughs> Good. Please do. Please tell everyone that you know about this. I am going to. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, sorry. Okay. Who's your lady of the week? So my lady of the week is another author. Um, I just finished the book, uh, The Body is Not an Apology, mm. written by the queen Sonia Renee Taylor. It's just, it's like at the very beginning, she's very open about like, this is not about accepting your body because that sounds like something you don't want to do. And your body is not worth accepting other Mm -hmm. people's bodies. Mm -hmm. Other human beings are not worthy of like worthy the word worthy makes it seem like they had to achieve it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, And so literally the whole book, it's, it's a quick read. It's short. It's very much like she doesn't talk around things. She cuts to the chase, which I super love. And it's very much kind of challenging. um, How we as individuals, we as a community, look at ourselves, each other, and the world. She, in a very gentle way, calls out the judgment that has been 
deeply rooted into all of our psyches, both about ourselves and other people. And it's like, Hey, whenever you see someone and she, she'll tell a story. And then at the end be like, did you pick picture this person of your own race? Did you picture this person with a small body, a small, a large body? Did you picture them able-bodied? Um, hmm. Why do you think you pictured them that way? And so it, it just kind of like gently calls out assumptions and judgments. I love that. It's like, hey, everybody does it. We have been trained to do it. Right. But if you're aware of it, you can consciously and continually try and train your awareness and shut it down. Like, not shut it down. That's the right word. But like open up your um, basically love for everyone yeah, yeah. oh god brilliant it's literally just over 100 pages and she blew my mind in 116 pages um wow. it's it's so so good and i'm obsessed with it and i want everybody to read it but yeah sonia renee taylor the body is not an apology they have a website she has a blog follow her on instagram she's crushing it wow yeah, that's a really great anyway, lady of the week. It's uh, yeah, she's a pretty dope lady of the week. Who is your lady of the week, Taylor? My lady of the week is friend of the podcast, Caitlin Buxbaum. Heck yes. Um, this babe is such a babe and yeah. is the most supportive and is constantly sharing our shit and is constantly, um, hyping up these ladies back to us once they're aired and I just that's my favorite thing I just love it I love that she's I mean it makes me feel like even if nobody else listens to this like Caitlin is getting a lot out of it and I just I love it and I love her um I also want to plug that she is also an author which is why I feel fine using her full name because I'm gonna plug her book she wrote a book of poems called Stakes and um, it's available on Amazon. So we'll post the link to that when we post this episode. Steaks so that like people... raising the steaks or steaks yeah. like grilling steaks? Steaks like raising the. Great. Um, and yeah, so we'll post the link to that so that if people want to go support a babe that supports these babes who are hyping up other babes, then they can be babes and do that. Women are so cool. God, women are the coolest, man. So yeah, she's a hundred percent my lady of the week. As she's she should been be. So I nothing was... but supportive and I love it and feel yeah, so like, happy. About I get it. exactly like you were saying. I get so stoked that she's so stoked mm -hmm. to learn about other women because it just makes me like every time we get a text from somebody that's like, Oh my god, this person is so cool. God, or yeah. Like I'm loving learning about these women. Like, it just makes me feel so happy that, like, we're not the only ones that are so desperately wanting to learn and be empowered by women. Women, yeah. And it's really cool, the dudes that we've had reach out about it. Yeah. It makes me really happy how many dudes have reached out and been like, I had no idea about this lady. She's a badass. Like, yeah, she is. You're not wrong. You're not so, wrong. Yeah. So that's been, it's been really cool. And yeah, I think for this little tiny podcast, I'm getting pretty much everything I want out of it. <laughs> oh my God. And then some, I had and no, like so I much more. I was going to have yeah. fun 
and yeah. I knew I was going to learn a bunch. I had no idea how much. Yeah. Yeah. It's I also so... kind of underestimated the idea of like doing a full book report on a lady every week. We're basically writing a five page paper every week. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of insane, but it's so much um, research. I do love it, but I love it because it gets me like multiple times I've been writing out research at work and then just stop and be like, whoo, or something. <laughs> yeah. And some dude at the next table will be like, what's up? I'm like, have you heard of this? Yeah. Man. Yeah, man. I love it. It's I love great. you. I love you. Zing. Gotcha. Um, do you want to have a book report phone call on Monday? I would love to. That sounds okay. delightful to me. That sounds delightful also, to me. Also, if anyone has made it this far, we love you. God bless you. We love you. you so much. We really You're appreciate doing the Lord's work. Everything. And um, also, like, if you wanted to subscribe to us on the stuff, that'd be that'd be cool. I wouldn't be mad at you. Because then you get a little podcast present on your phone every Monday. A little bloop. A little you hear about ding. A, like, a little day that you need to be empowered and hear a cool... I mean, it's Monday, right? Oh, my God. It's Monday. It's Monday. We're just trying to help your Mondays. Yeah. That's really all we're trying to do. Um, doing. Exciting news. We're officially on Spotify. Oh, yay! So now you can find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and stitcher i think and also like everything else so i think wherever you get your podcasts we are pretty much wherever you get them um we also have a facebook a twitter and an instagram all at babetown pod so go follow us there if you want to see some photos of these ladies Um, and also random photos of whatever we talk about oh my god yeah the pod Mm mm-hmm um, oh, also, surprise, Reagan, we also have a Gmail account now. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> to get I was going to tell you, we should probably do that soon. To get on Spotify, I had to make a Gmail, so I was like, okay, might as well. Um, I mean, yeah, it was bound to happen anyways. So if you want to write us a line, not anonymously, and tell us what you think, or suggest a lady, oh, we are... Suggest ladies. Or tell us, down I would that. love to know your babes of the week, like your ladies of the week. I oh would my God, really Reagan. love to know that because I think that would be really heartwarming whenever I'm having a bad day or I am extra bummed out about anything. Like I would love to read other people's stories about what lady that week was just like, this was really cool. You know what I mean? God, I love this idea. Yeah. So send us your babe of the week. Um, it's the same babetownpod at gmail.com. So it's super easy to remember. We're the same everywhere, which is great. Literally um, everywhere. Babetown Pod. Yeah. So cool, man. Wow. This was a long one, but a good one. Dude, this I was so it. good. Also, doing my research, I'm pretty sure my one next week is going to be pretty long, but it's going to be. <laughs> That's good because my one next week is probably going to be pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's going to be incredible. So don't even stress. Great. And I love you. I love you. I'll talk to you on Monday. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. You too. Okay. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.